Morning, everyone. My name's Tony Webb, and we're in the Art of Gathering, and I forget the next phrase because I didn't print it out, because um, <laughs> we use it lots of different ways, but as a, a way to identify gatherers to work in the harvest for us and to do super amazing things. But as we get started, I'm going to ask Scott to come up, because uh, the, the team's going to share. Uh, Scott and Pam are using what we're talking about today up in Cleveland Star Church, and Tom and Tamara are in Cincinnati. And, Josh is part of the team having done it too, but we thought it'd be wise to give a little disclaimer as we get started. So mm -hmm. Scott, please do that. Yeah, so I think for me, the little bit of understanding that we have in it is that try to let go of the way that you see church now. Um, if you can do that, um, ask the Holy Spirit to, um, to teach you, to show you uh, just about everything that we've been talking about this weekend has been about what <coughs> God wants to reveal to reach the lost yeah. and that are hurting and struggling in this world. And so the disclaimer really is, is that for me, I was set in my ways. <laughs> and I, there was a certain way I was taught things that I wanted to, I wanted to do them that way. And when I saw that they, um, that they weren't working, I didn't understand. Maybe they weren't working in a certain area. But God has a plan and a purpose through each one of us um, that's to reach those that may not ever set foot in, in the church building. And so, um, so my disclaimer in that, too, is just to say, God, today, let's, let's just do what we're going to do. Um, let's do what you're going to do. And open up our mind, our heart, our spirit to what it is that, what it is that you want us to do. Um, There's so many that are lost. Um, and we know that, that that's growing every day. So, yeah, thank you. Amen. Thank you, Scott. So I lead an organization called Vision USA Church Planning. We're a transdenominational group. We work with anyone clear in the gospel on GSE. So GSE is the tool. And that's how I'd like for you to think about it. Take Scott's disclaimer. This is meant to be another tool in your toolbox, whether you're thinking about an ex existing church that you're a part of, or you're thinking about planting. It does either, it does much more than that, but we're just gonna talk about those two avenues. And so the GSE stands for Gather, Shepherd, Elder, and what we're mainly gonna talk about is the Gather. And the Gather is a person who the Bible speaks profoundly about. There are 20 different Greek words that translate this semantic domain of gathering to a mission. And that's what gathers do, they are not evangelists, we don't necessarily task them with sharing the gospel. If they do, awesome. But often it shuts them down because they don't feel comfortable doing that necessarily. But they're people magnets. They just are able to draw people to anything they want to. They can build a softball team, a basketball team. They can build anything at work. Businesses pay them well to do what they do. And so that's who we're going to talk about. And when you take them, we, the church in the West, in America, we have no idea who this person is. We've built so much of our systems on the evangelist, which is awesome. I'll take every evangelist I can get. I am not one. Any in the room? All right, got some heroes in here. Thank you. But the gather is the person that can just continue to draw people in and bring them into anything that the vision is cast for them to do. And so um, 
We have so much to share, I gotta stay on track or we really wanna hear what you have to say. So whether we're done or not, we're at quarter till, we wanna have the 15 minutes or quarter after have the 15 minutes of hearing from you. But the real focus of what we're after is based in Acts 16.5, which the book of Acts, you know, it's, there's six summary verses through the book of Acts and 16.5 is the fourth one where Luke says, and the churches were increasing and growing in number daily. And when you get into the text itself, do the exegesis, you'll find out it's not, there was 100 people in that church, next week there's 200. That's not what Luke was saying. He had said that previous. What he's saying is there were 20 churches in that area. By the next Sunday, there's 27 churches. And so a church a day is our vision. Each region we work in, that's what we go for. And God has us in 103 regions right now in America and around the world. And it's been fun to see God do this. So we have learned so much and we continue to learn. But the, the 20 Greek words that are in this idea of gathering to a mission occur 180 plus times in the New Testament. 153 of them occur referring to gathering to Jesus' mission. So it's all over the pages of the New Testament, but it's been securely hidden you know, for many of us. But I think as you get to know and read what the scriptures say about a gather, you'll start, they'll start clicking in your head. And probably many of you in this room are that. And so it's fantastic. The, uh, in our network, since 2007, God's given us, that I know of, because I checked the number to make sure, 998 new churches and 50-some established churches that are using GSE you know, in their established church context. So in 2018, we launched the pathway working with established churches, but we've been doing planting since 07 with GSE, and it's a ton of fun. So just to illustrate from Scripture, two places that talks about a gather. John chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus gathers all the time. Verse 35, again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus and Jesus turned and said, What do you seek? And they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, Here's the phrase, here's what gathers say and do. Come with me and see. That defines a gather. That's what you want to see them do. Come with me and see. So they came and saw where he was staying. They stayed with him. You know, you know the passage to the 10th hour. It's about the 10th hour. One of the two that heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And they brought Peter to Jesus. That's the gathering process. Gather, meets Jesus, and they go find somebody else and say, come with me. We found him. Very next paragraph, verse 43. Next day, he purposed to go into Galilee. Jesus found Philip, and he said to Philip, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found, you know the passage, who did he find? Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, he says, come, we found the Messiah, you know, all this stuff out of Nazareth. Nazareth. Yeah, can he good come? 
you know. Yeah, and what did, uh, what was it that Philip said to him? Come with me and see. Come with me and see. That is what gathers do. As leaders, our job is to identify them, help them understand who they are, and then cast the vision for them to gather towards because that's what they need. That's what they prefer to do. One other place, um, Mark chapter 1. This is the one you need to put your seatbelt on for. So verse 40, Mark 1, the leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, falling on his knees, saying, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I'm willing to be cleansed. Immediately leprosy left him and was clean. Jesus sternly warned him, and immediately sent him away, saying, See, you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Yep. Verse 45, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely. Spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in the unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. That's a gather. That's one of the gathering words. We have numerous stories in our network of one gather gathering 200 plus people. These people are alive and well today. And as leaders with getting the gospel out, we've got to take full advantage of who these people are that God has raised up. God has made. God has given them to us. But we've got to see them. We've got to recognize them. We've got to know how to put them to work. And so in our network, we have, you know, two things that we do is we train GSC stuff and then we coach. Because the fruit is different everywhere. If three churches do it together, all three churches see different kinds of fruit. That's beautiful because every church is different. That's why we coach. So we can coach the next steps that flow from that which Jesus gives us. And so as we walk that way, you know, you can ask the question, why does that work? I'll just share one of the reasons we, we are confident why it works. And it's because gathering is a birthright gift. It's something that people are born with. God made them that way. Unsaved people are gathers. Every drug dealer you know is a gather. Every entrepreneur you know is a gather. Most people that work in public, whether it's healthcare or otherwise, typically are gathers. Salespeople, unless they're starving, are gathers. So these people are everywhere. And it's just the way God made them. When Jesus enters, of course, it becomes crazy and radical. But it's just the way in God's creative genius, the way he makes people. And so as and there's just so much more we'd love to tell you, but we just can't. Um, one of the stories that really stimulates us in our network is came from a guy named Sid Porter. And he gave the illustration this way. He said, if we put a male and a female elephant in this room, in three years, what do you have? You get one elephant. You got three elephants now. You have one baby. You put one male rabbit and one female rabbit in this room, in three years, what do you have? 
He did the math, 476 million rabbits. So when we think about church, this is part of Scott's disclaimer. We've all, we all know what we know. We've all been trained a certain way. That's great. Be open to something else. How would you like to have 476 million rabbits? <laughs> Knowing that we wanted rabbits. Because <laughs> we'll take every elephant we can get. They're awesome animals too. We'll take every large church Jesus gives us. We'll also take every small church numerically God gives us. Because in our network we celebrate small. Th things in our network start small, but then they grow. Because gathers do that. It's just what gathers do. And so that's the work. Then shepherds and elders come in to you know, provide the oversight, the other pieces of what we need and what we're doing. That being said, I want to invite the team to come up because we're going to walk through some ideas. Uh, we've been... Can I ask one question? Yes. You said you had 998 churches in my Since 2007, yes. We use the definition we call 3-5 focus, and the three, uh, church for us is defined by who I am as church and what I do as church. So now my definition, pulled this from theologians, way above my pay grade. Theologians say that who I am as church is I'm about Jesus' mission, I'm about being with God, I'm about being with you. So the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, love God, love your neighbor. That's who I am, so that's part of our definition of church. The five things theologians say churches do in terms of a beginning, worship, <clears throat> teach all the word, preach the gospel, serve, be together, koinonia. That's the beginning for us. And then the other part of the definition is when there's two other families that have joined and are committing to that 3-5 focus. It's all stuff we train. Well, we break it down in trainings. So this is the dump truck backing up. <laughs> hope not, hope not. Coming up, everybody. Um, some of these, so as we've been working together uh, as a team, Tom and Tamara in Cincinnati and Scott and Pam in uh, Cleveland, we started the fall of 2020 and they've been using GSE. So your next step out of all this is to talk to one of us. You know, they've been doing it, Josh has been doing it. You can get a hold of me, you know, to know more, to want to know more if that's where God leads you, that'll be your next step out of, out of today's time. But as a team, we processed, you know, what are the key things we want to make sure we tell you or we share with you? And the first couple I'm taking, you know, GSE is a very simple process. It's about gifted people. And so it's very simple. It's a grid that works seamlessly. It adapts to everything that's going on because it's a grid. It's not something that takes over. It's something, it just gives direction of what to do with gifted people. And so simplicity is powerful, whether you're starting a church or working it in your own existing church. Another part that we decided we wanted to share is um, 
it's a great problem solving process. We all know there's a lot of people that's not come back from COVID. We have found the most effective way to get them back is through gathers. All many other ways just aren't working. Gathers can do it. Gathers can say, hey, come back with me and see. It's okay. So it's a, it's a good problem solving process. And then one of the big pieces of this is that it is meant to release the church family. We do this in the established church. Our marker celebration is 30%. We have found when we've done this, 30% of every congregation's gathers. Imagine if 30% of your congregation were out doing this, what that might look like. And so it's a powerful tool, and it's meant to release the church family to work into what Jesus is doing. Scott, tell us about being stuck in ministry. None of us are ever there, but we know people who are. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that has always been um, difficult is that you might have an, a plan or a, you know, an intention, but not everybody's on board. Um, you may be getting um, a vision and a direction from the Holy Spirit, but maybe they're not getting vision and direction from the Holy Spirit with you. And... Uh, and so the blessing in this is that we have the opportunity um, for other people, not just us, to share um, how it is that we can gather together. Uh, it's, it's a very different way of doing things. Um, and for us, we gather together in homes. And, uh, and gathering together in homes is, is a powerful thing. It's very personal. It's very personal. It's intimate. Um, time of, of worship, the time of prayer is very different. And so, you know, we have an opportunity to um, learn how to love people and uh, they, then they learn how to love us at the same time. And once that happens, um, it changes the, the, the dynamic of um, the way that we do church. It's not just the high five on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. It's really doing life together. And uh, we have an opportunity to have these, these deep, intimate relationships with them. Um, you know, we have, I, well, I think of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, when he talks about how we should do church. Um, it's very different than the way we've been doing church for most of us, you know, today. But since we started doing this type of church, this Acts 2 type of church, what it's done is um, it's helped people connect with something that's real. Because they're really looking, people are really desperately looking for something that's real and something that is personal. Um, and I'm not saying that the big church can't, uh, can't provide that, but I will say that um, the fellowship, the meal together, the prayer, um, it builds a strength that maybe we can't find in the in big church. And then it prepares them eventually for the church itself, big church. There's a lot of people that may not, and I'm running out of time, but there's a lot of people that probably will not come into our church building. We all have a hook around our neck. <laughs> they just won't. But if you invite them into a home, they might come. They probably will. 
to be more apt to open up their mind and their heart and their spirit to what you have to say. Amen, amen. Josh, tell us about how easily this applies, and then also, you know, what if in your ministry you don't really have enough evangelists? Um, yeah, so easy application in, in not just new churches, but established churches. Um, the good thing about established churches is you have everybody that you need. Um, we were just talking yesterday about that is one of the things that are coming out with established churches. They're already in your seats. They're already there. They just don't know what to go do, or they don't know where they fit in a lot of these places. Um, I even look at, like, in my own past, uh, I was part of a bunch of different churches and denominations. Where I met my wife was in a small group that was attached to a really large church. But I realized going to that church, they sat all together. They were a community church actually happened in that small group they just went and heard a pastor and worshiped together on a day of the week sunday night sunday morning whenever it was um so they were actually using this and don't even know it because and that's what i've seen throughout you know my my history in this and um i won't say how long we known known each other uh, for his sake (laughs) (laughs) um but but it's just that that you know connection that you get in community in koinonia that was one of my favorite words um and then um the second one was evangelism you know when i started to prepare to kind of give this i was like where did we get that word i don't even know and it's the same word for gospel spreading the good news evangelism is just doing that Mm -hmm. it's just spreading the good news and so in a sense we're all evangelisms with how we live with how we interact with people i mean that can spread the good news more than me saying something when a friend that doesn't know jesus is in need i mean it said they met the needs of of people and they were added to daily like they saw people getting their needs met and i think that that's one of the things that it does is connect those person with the ability to meet those needs or as a gatherers like oh you need this person you need the christ come and see like that's what they do so again summation not take any more time is the people are probably in your seat. The body of Christ is given all it needs. Um, I love the study of the body. I, I, I was part of that. I worked at the Heart and Lung Research Institute at Ohio State and were around a lot of people that studied the body their whole life. And it's bigger than just hands and feet and mouth. Um, it's way bigger than that. There's heart and mind and and all these other things that God gives us for the furthering of his, his kingdom to come. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Pam, tell us about uh, going. <laughs> okay, so the going part of it, um, the scripture tells us to reach the lost and um, to go make disciples of disciples, to go from Jer- Jerusalem to Ju- Judea. We're in Jerusalem, right, where we're in our church right now. 
we're in Jerusalem. The Lord wants us to go out to Judea. How are we going to do that? How do we go out if we're always just waiting for them to come in? We have to reach those people who aren't reached. Um, we, we've been part of a church building, and we've uh, God has done a lot um, to and through Scott and I and our family in a church building, and we, we're not bringing down a church building because that's necessary as well. Um, but to reach more people, we have to be open to what God lays on our heart to do, and that's to go out, out into the community. Um, and we're hearing a lot from people in the network that the Holy Spirit is, is working on that in some of our pastors and some of our leaders. He's asking them to do things that are really different that we've never done before. And, uh, you know, just, I'm just encouraging you to be open to that so we can reach people that are un unreached. And GSC is an awesome way to reach people both ways. Um, because in an established church, um, I know a lot of you are making disciples. You're discipling them through your small groups and, and that. Um, but are you sending them out? You know, are they stopped right there and continuing to be fed and fed and fed? Or are they going out and um, being disciples of the nations? Um, so GSC um, works for a big church. And it also works for the church plants. We're, we're starting from nothing, you know, and in our case, we're, we're called to do uh, something different, and I'll touch on that later. But uh, that's the going part of it. Thank you, Pam. Tom, Tamara, share with us some of the discipleship side of what GSE brings, what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, so uh, we're building a microchurch uh, micro network some meet in houses, some in coffee shops. And it's really the end result of when the gatherers have done their work, what happens next and how do you disciple the people that they brought. And so I'd like to describe a, a typical gathering in our home. We had, we're in a pretty difficult urban neighborhood with lots of challenges. And so people come, we have a meal, um, and then we get out a whiteboard and we write three categories across the top. Um, God. Uh, you and to do and so we use the discovery Bible uh, study system uh, the invitation is come and hear what Jesus said and did for yourself no one's going to preach at you or tell you what to believe but we're going to listen and learn learn how to hear God's voice and for us a disciple is someone who simply knows how to hear Jesus's voice and quickly and easily does what he asks and so it begins uh, again with just some opening questions connect questions uh, what are you celebrating? That's a, a form of worship and praise. And then what's a challenge? And then we pray around those challenges. It creates vulnerability and community. And then um, we bring out the word. We have a first reading. Uh, we might have a few fast facts to put it in context, but just a reading uh, by one person in a group. And then we ask someone or the community to summarize the text. Uh, and then we go back, a second reading, if a man read it the first time, we ask a woman to read it the second time. And then we just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to really speak to us and answer uh, two discovery questions. Uh, what does it say about God or Jesus? Uh, and that's a powerful question because transformation needs to come around when we think about when we think about God. 
right? Because we have many lies and misconceptions that, that we believe, but, and Scripture speaks into that. And then, what does this say about humanity, or us, you, me? Again, confronting the lies of the enemy at, at, at worst, or just simply reshaping the nature and character of God. And then, I think what's really bold about this, because it's, a, it's a, an obedience-based discipleship, is we ask this simple question, what's one thing you can do this week? One thing especially that you're hearing from God that you can do this week that would be different than what than as a result of what we studied this morning. So they, they say it. There's an accountability there, right? So the next week we'll actually ask them how did it go. And then it's a multi, uh, multiplying tool as well. Who's someone in your life that would benefit from what we've talked about this morning? We found it to be transformative. <laughs> You can have people around the table, and in our case, it's mostly unchurched people. Uh, and we also have a few people that, that have been in the church. They know scripture, but they all can get something out of it. We're very clear that you're here to, to learn what God is saying to you. So we have a few reminders, which are simply uh, speaking sentences, not paragraphs, no sermons, <laughs> don't fix others. You're here for you, so let's use some I statements and he statements, not you all statements, and uh, it probably the biggest tool for us, because we've been in the church for forever, is learning to let the Holy Spirit do His work. Let the Word of God do His work, and we have been amazed at not only the growth of the people who have been in church for a while, but the growth around the table, even some who they don't know if they're if they're really buying all this stuff, but the challenge is simply try it. Try, go, go and obey Jesus' words. He says, love your enemies. We've had a, a next-door neighbor who did that recently. And uh, it was a great, great illustration of how you disciple people long before they've actually decided to follow Jesus. So, Amen. That's our tool. Amen. Did I leave anything out? Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Tamara, you shared a testimony with us a few calls back. Yeah. Would you yeah. please share that with us? on what Tom says, you know, we have been finding that people are following Jesus before they're believing that he is everything that we would want them to believe, right? But they start following him, and they get it works. Like, his words are true. <coughs> they would lead into that faith part. So, that's been just powerful. It's been powerful around our table, right? Um, so, years ago, I had a neighbor named Wendy. She was a beautiful young mom of a one-and-a-half-year-old son, and she and her husband moved from Boston to Cincinnati to be closer to family and to make progress in his career. Um, at the time, we were a busy family of five, highly involved in helping to plant churches and raising our families. So we met Wendy and quickly offered access to our play set, access to our backyard for her son anytime they wanted to come over, and play, and I learned that Wendy had given her heart to Jesus about two months before they left Boston to come to Cincinnati. So immediately I started having Jesus conversations with her, right? And of course, like a good church planting family would do, we started inviting her to our church. So Wendy's husband didn't mind that she had this newfound faith faith, but he was very suspicious and very hostile to the church. Mm. 
So Wendy came a few times. I mean, we offered to give her rides. We offered to make it as easy as possible for her to actually attend inside those church doors. But most of our invitations were met with disappointment. And eventually, I just tried not to invite her too much because I wanted the relationship to continue, right? Over the next few years, Wendy and I would continue to have conversations about Jesus. I would suggest books, read materials, whatever I had to pass along to her. There were times when she needed prayer, encouragement, and then eventually she moved out of the neighborhood. So our family actually, um, well, before I say that, you need to be honest. Like, Wendy's not the only neighbor, (laughs) right? So, like, we were good neighbors, we were good inviters, but we lived in that neighborhood for 20 years, and most of our invitations were unsuccessful. So we would often drive through our neighborhood, and on our way to church, we would long and we would pray, right, bring our neighbors to church, right, to help us bring somebody along, right? We really had very little to show for it. So after Wendy moved to another neighborhood and eventually moved out of town, I kept in touch with her a little bit. And, you know, from what I can tell, she moved to California and then she moved to Florida. And from, you know, Facebook, Instagram, like, she still loves Jesus, right? I mean, that's huge, right? Um, And over the years, though, when remembering and praying for Wendy, I've often had this nagging feeling that it just wasn't enough. That surely I could have done more right? That somehow the barriers and the obstacles keeping Wendy from a family of God, right? From fellowship with other Jesus followers, right? Those obstacles should not have won the day. They shouldn't have won the day. But today, my thoughts are different. My thoughts are different. And what I know is, if I would have had the tools and the knowledge that I now have, Wendy's life and my neighborhood would have been different. Because Wendy was a gatherer. You know, how do I know that? Well, she moved into the neighborhood and a month later had a party at her house to meet her neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true sign, true sign. You know, I would go to the pool in the afternoon, but Wendy had been there all morning and the conversations were still about Wendy in the afternoon around the pool. Right? So she was a gatherer. And um, what I know is with the simple tool of the Discovery Bible System, right? This powerful tool of helping people know how to have those regular rhythms of listening and obeying. I could have sat down with her in a regular way and simply opened the scriptures. Discipled her in a way that wasn't complicated, right? Lots of books to read, all of that, right? And what I know for sure is Wendy's beautiful God-given gift of gathering, we would have had our neighbors around our table learning how to follow Jesus. And my guess, excuse my emotions, But I know this now because I'm in a different neighborhood and we're doing this now. But my guess is that we would have left our neighborhood of 20 years 
with a deep sense of satisfaction, knowing that we brought the kingdom of God to our neighbors. Amen. And one beautiful soul won for Christ, right? But it turned into many souls won and a gospel community planted in a neighborhood. Amen. Thank you, Tamara. Thank you. And Pam, you as well shared a story with us a couple calls back. Would you please share that testimony? Sure. Um, our, our testimony is that um, God has called us to, to church plant, and um, we're one of those people where he called us to do something really uncomfortable and untraditional. And, um, you know, We were obedient. We said yes, but it was very uncomfortable um, for us. And you know, like I had mentioned before, um, that the Holy Spirit—he's—he's he's stirring new ideas in people's hearts and in their minds. And we were obedient and and said yes. And part of what the network does is when you're going to church plant, they send you to um, a conference called Launch, and it's a few days long, and they really pour into you and help you to learn all types of different aspects of the church and how, how to run it. And uh, one of the areas was, um, you know, the advertising, um, getting, getting the word out for people to come to your church. And that was a little area that was a little overwhelming <coughs> to me. I'm a, I'm a person who I, I really need to, I'm a visual person, I need to see an example of how something works or a video or something like that. Not always just being told something works for me. And, um, you know, what this, um, what we were being uh, taught was excellent knowledge and wisdom, but it just wasn't going to work in the type of um, church that Tom and Tamara were called to do, Scott and I were called to do, and whoever else is um, getting called to do something really different. Um, that is when um, the church multiplication network gave us Tony and um, he and gave us the training um, of Tony's design of the GSE and that uh, ended up working for us. Um, it was a model that our type of church could use and um, but at first it was still overwhelming to me. Right Tony? I kept asking him questions. He kept asking great uh, questions. <laughs> and um, and we did the, the GSE like we were uh, you know, we were taught to do, kind of write down who would be some people that you would think of that would be gatherers, who are some people that would be shepherds for you, and we would be the elders, um, being the pastors of the church. And we had a list, and but then we weren't really sure how, how do we approach that gatherer, and how do we, just all the all the aspects of the whole thing, how, did, how is it going to work? Well, do you know, God was way before us. He picked out that gatherer that was on our list, and he started working with them before we even approached him, <laughs> and he started gathering people to our church. Um, and uh, so it, it was Scott's boss at work. He gathered about 12 people, 12 employees from his, um, his place of employment, and they do church every, every day um, before work so that wow. people come early. And another thing that I wanted to, to mention about that is, you know, we we plan a launch date. Um, 
your church is going to launch, but it doesn't mean that our launch date is the same date as God's launch date. said everyone thanks for sharing I want to share one more thing and then open it up for questions comments you may have um, first Thessalonians chapter 1 <coughs> verses 6 to 8 I'll just paraphrase Paul says I have no reason to say any more to you because the gospel has gone out on all Macedonia and Ki like a trumpet blast one day I got curious about that and best I could figure Macedonia and Ki is a region of about 42,000 square miles so that one church had a gospel influence over geography of about 42,000 square miles. Ohio happens to be 40,000 square miles. One church in Thessalonica had an impact over a region the size of Ohio. That's who we are as the church. Amen? That is who we are. That is our DNA. That's why we start churches. That's why we work with existing leaders. That's who we are. And so uh, my wife and I have uh, been doing this missionary thing for about 12 years now. Before, I was in Grove City, pastor a church for almost 19 years, and we left there to do this church planning work. And so as our kids were growing up, we would go to the Columbus Zoo. And it's different now, but back in the day, you'd walk in and go to the right, you're going to Africa. And as you walk up to the first big pen, they had gazelles you know, those animals with the big horns and they had a three-foot fence 
And I came to find out that a gazelle can jump 10 feet high and can cover 30 feet in one jump. Yet the Columbus Zoo kept about 20 gazelles in a pen with a three-foot fence. Also come to find out that a gazelle will not jump where it cannot see where it's gonna go. So the top fence was right at eye level of the gazelle. And I wonder how many three-foot fences Satan's built around our churches where we cannot see who we are. We cannot see the way Jesus made us because one church impacted a region the size of Ohio. And I'm not saying everybody in Macedonia got saved. I'm saying everybody in Ma a lot of people in Macedonia heard about Jesus in that day. So let that be us. Amen? Amen. Questions, comments? What can we clarify for you because we have hit the top? joking about it, but there was something that God was impressing on us, that this is a catch-and-release church. <laughs> and what that means is that we gather those people, disciple them, and then it's not about them staying so we can grow our numbers. It's about them going so that they go and build the kingdom. Wherever it is in the world. And so it's not about the numbers. As, our, as a church body, it is about the numbers the kingdom growing okay. and so that's very counterintuitive to a lot of the ways that we've been taught mm -hmm. uh, so really churches, like yes. all the phase right now like 
going to be big like the mega churches on TV, but yeah. really, if you're that big, you're not discipling. You're not sending people away, which is what you're supposed to be doing. The Lord has really been impressing on our heart a lot lately that the time is short. We have to do things mm-hmm. differently. We have to go reach some people that won't be reached unless we go to them. They won't come to us. Yeah. That's like yeah, just kind of the, the obvious question that she's alluding to, too, is, um, you know, why can't, and this is just total curiosity, that zero, zero hostility to the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how is it different than a really healthy strategic life group, small group model? So we have these life groups at our church, encouraging them to do life, have a meal, read the word, discuss together, reach people, invite people in your home. They hear me say it probably three weeks a month have your neighbors over for dinner. Many of them started doing that. It's beautiful. So how does this create a barrier for now let's gather on, on Sunday and be a part of this bigger body that we all worship together? So it's, and it's a genuine, genuine question. Totally yeah, it's a great question. The when, when we take GSC into an existing church, that's a very common application is run life groups or small groups through GSC, have a gather in every group. So it's constantly happening. Is it okay to gather people the Sunday morning? Well, of course it is. You know, if that's what God wants you to do, do that because uh, so far we've worked with churches that are in failing health and God's totally revitalized them because they went to the harvest. You know, they went to the harvest. That's where health lies. And so your question is great because it does do that. And the planting side, you know, that's what uh, Scott and Pam were pointing to and Tom, you know, that we have nothing, so we go out at that point. But in the existing church, yeah, it works well that way. Yes. People are, if they're yes. to an environment, that's beautiful, that's missional. That's yes. Awesome. Every pastor, you know, when I pass Loves that, for that. I'm saying, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to. And I got to get there somehow. Out, yeah, I'm going to give you either money, I'm going to send people to come with you. Yeah. We have people that do that, go into JJC, and we, we fund them, we encourage them, do you need Bibles? Yeah. So I guess I'm just kind of the, the Stephen Covey question of like the both and. It's totally both and because it's what does God want you to do with this person to gather, you know, because that's the key of this is how do we identify them because they're everywhere. They're just absolutely everywhere, but they're not doing Jesus stuff for us. Or if they're Sunday school teachers, maybe they're not yeah. teachers anymore. Just release them to just go gather. Yeah, yeah. Which, which circles back though, right? So I, I had this guy from China, he's from China at our house. And he said, oh my gosh, I went on your website and I see your church plan, which is awesome. And I said, yeah, we're still trying to figure out how to do it. And he's like, well, we have 30 house churches. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. So I'm learning from him. We're having eggs together. And it was great. Um, but, you know, it's like, even after three hours, we kept circling back to the exact same tension, mm-hmm. which is, okay, so that house church is growing. Now, oh, crap, they're teaching something that's not theologically sound. So now you go back to Acts. You know, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. So when do they come together for the sound doctrine? Not that the person can't give sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Don't misunderstand. It's yeah. just when you, the more you multiply, uh, you know, at what point do they come together in the whole body? So it's like yeah, the, the, those coach easily. Yeah. 
but the answer to your question in our the way we use GSC, that's the role of the elder. The elder is the one that makes sure the theological integrity lives there. So to flesh it out, you, they would be the elder. Yes. Um, and, and have multiple homes, or they would be the elder with their one home. Multiple homes. Multiple homes. So that's where you guys said you do the Zoom meeting yes. against uh, a couple of houses at the same time. Right? One of the things that's a little bit different too is what we do. We do praise and worship over Zoom. We do our, our message through Zoom. Then <coughs> we break off, and then the home talks about talks about oh, that's what, great. Um, what so, was, and then we come back and gather together, and then the different homes ask questions. This is something that came up. This is what we're talking about. So um, it's an opportunity to solidify the teaching. Yeah. And we also practice a thing that we call regional eldership. Not that there's an elder of one place, but elders that oversee numerous churches for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would add to kind of what you're getting at is that for us it's more um, eliminating places of passivity. Where yeah. my Christian expression is I come, I tend, I nod, yep. I smile, yep. but I'm not making disciples right. or giving uh, routes to do that. It sounds to me like you solved that. Well, no, we still, for four years, <laughs> they hear us from the pulpit and are like, make a disciple. Yeah. You know, don't just yeah. smile and nod. Literally, in some of the same phrases. <laughs> like I've said once a month, like, believers agree, disciples obey. There's a difference. We want to make disciples. So we were lay people uh, for church plants, traditional church plants. And what was on our heart when I got my credentialing was to take people like us and give them the tools to reach people that we just hadn't been able to reach. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Like the Wendy and that sort of thing. So it's it's not just, which is, we really don't answer the question, which is the right way. Right, just another it's way. A, and it's another people group yeah. that mm -hmm. we're currently not reaching. And that is And so we're not empowering lay people to really do it or creating the margins of that. That's the other problem. But uh, yeah. for us, when we got done with all the things we needed to do to plant a church as lay people, then the discipleship began, and there often just wasn't enough margin. So, yeah, it's not a, yeah, it is a both and. Yeah. We, we do a little different than uh, Pam and Scott, that we answer your question about the elder through a continuing coaching process. Mm -hmm. So we have a very, very high level of discipleship relationship with the microchurch leader. Awesome. And we continue the coaching, and we come together for training, and then we have a worship night where everybody's invited. That's awesome. Month, so... You know, you can solve it different ways, right? But because it's an issue, and so you mm -hmm. find a solution, right? Yeah, yeah. very real. Every Bible does help us a lot because we're not asking. We are asking, what does it say, and we're giving a context when we go through Scripture. But what I'm hoping is really the main thing is you're deciding what is Jesus saying, <coughs> telling me to go do this week. That's different than I was doing before, and so that not that that's always going to keep you from heresy and that sort of thing, but it, it, it is asking a better question. But that, that's nothing new, <laughs> because all of Paul, most of Paul, if not all of Paul's letters, addressed issues in the church. Right. So, right. we, I mean, and God deals with that, and with the active voice aspect, the, the, it's not just hearing one person, like, passivity. Uh, you know, again, been through a bunch of different churches, a bunch of different denominations, you know, very eclectic in that way. But I noticed some of the things in that is you come together, you see a pastor, 
you get preached. What do you do when you go home? Turn on the TV and sit and watch the same thing. So we, we reaffirm this pattern of, of being followers of Jesus, not just believers of Jesus. There's a big difference there. And, and as we said, like there are some people that follow Jesus before they believe, and there are some people that believe their concept of Jesus you know, and like you said, that's what we're fighting, the doctrine, the, the belief system that has been created either by the enemy or Jesus. Um, and I think that that works itself out in a lot of ways because Jesus didn't pick the Pharisees, the knowers of the Bible. He picked fishermen, which they weren't, they didn't make the cut. So, I mean, it's just this aspect of having a Paul, like he was my Paul. If I had a problem with something going on, that's who I turn to. And if you have that as your elder and your shepherd, they're always going to go there and say, something messed up. It blew up in my life. How do I figure it out? Oh, this is what you're believing that's wrong, or this is where we can go scripturally. Do you have a statement of fundamental beliefs? Yeah. We do, yes. Virginia USA does. Where are they available? Uh, give me your email address, I'll email them to you. Okay. Then I would think, I don't know, but something like that usually is not a website. Would be a website no, we, we intentionally don't do that. Okay. We want to make it more conversation because okay. it's a basic, you know, because we're transdominational, it's the, you know, Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, you know, it's not, yeah. we're not going into details. That's the discipling privilege of who wins that person to Christ. Yeah. You know, the concern, though, is that the reason we had the Nicene councils was because people were going in multiple directions. And so they said, these are the books we prayed about that we used, and mm-hmm. this is the direction of the church at that time. Mm-hmm. The reason the assemblies back at the turn of the last century got together and put down, well, I think it was the seventh tenets of faith at the time, it's grown since then, mm-hmm. was so that there was no confusion. It was public mm-hmm. and published. If I'm understanding you correctly, yours are not public nor published, and if I want them, I have to get to give you my email so you can give me basically your opinion of what they should be, and we'll discuss it. I would say no. What, parts were, what part is no? When I said it's conversational, we want to talk about it, and so we, we bring it into our training, we bring it into the relationships that we have, because that's how we want to talk about these issues of the scripture. And everything that we have would be very consistent with your statement of faith. For example, what would be an example of something you would consider an issue of the scripture? I guess that's the term I'm really struggling to deal with, because what would be an issue of the scripture? Since the Nicene Council, there should not be a real big issue of the scripture. Now, we, we might say... Tell me more, because I'm not sure what you mean by that, when, what you're hearing me say. Well, when you say an issue of the scripture, you're saying perhaps you have a different understanding of what the scripture is actually saying than what I'm understanding. That would be what I would think you're saying. Well, for example, some denominations are complementarian in terms of the role of women in the church. Some are egalitarian. They're opposites. But yet, some groups hold to this and others hold to that. I don't care. I just want to get the gospel out to people. I'm not going to allow that conversation, that issue of the scripture, to block 
a potential church to start and a place where the gospel needs not, to go. That's issue. the issue. Right. Salvation issues is what you have to make sure is principled. I think that's what you said. And, and a lot of the other stuff are not salvation issues. Right. Right. Want to avoid those things because they don't further the gospel. I, yeah, I think both are great. I get yeah. the hard way of really saying completely because you have objective truth, right? That objective yes. No matter, no matter whether we're having a conversation or not. Yes. And then you have, like, if you lead everything in conversation, well, you know, interpretation. Yeah. There's no finality. Our application yeah. We know the word means one thing, yeah, you know, so. so, yeah. And and one of the things that I think, again, is part of discipleship is what um, Paul talked about with Timothy. That's why I said my Paul is the fact of the matter is, is what you look to as a Paul is going to lead that. He told Timothy, be a rightly divider of the word of God. How do we help people figure out what rightly dividing is and teach them in that way is giving them a Paul because he taught Timothy rightly divide the word. He taught a lot of us how to rightly divide the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that happens through a process of, of, of apprenticeship. So, so who is the elders of the church in these uh, individual groups? Well, you're looking at them for the ones being started in Cincinnati and Cleveland. I mean, should, in the Ohio Ministry said, Network. It should be said that, you know, we're up here obviously we have great confidence in what we're trying. <laughs> we, we haven't been doing this long enough that we can say, wow, we're, we're, we've got to figure it out. I mean, we're, we're constantly experimenting. And I think um, making sure it's theologically sound is a huge part of the coaching, the resourcing, the discipleship of the actual leaders who are going out to do this. And I, and I think that's key. Yeah. It is. Because if, if, if you got yeah. 998 basically groups, for lack of a better way of putting it, you can call it church, but it's groups, out there being discipled by others and continuously growing. I mean, basically mm -hmm. that's the same thing Emily does or the Mormons or anything else. It's not a new philosophy, but it's a Christian philosophy, and that's a difference. Mm -hmm. But if you got all these groups out there, there is a high probability of confusion. And if, and if there's not something in writing saying this is this is what we believe, mm -hmm. and this is how we teach. And everything else is okay to talk about. They're great discussions. But if you don't have these, uh, I'll give you an example. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a politically correct person. I, I'm retired. I don't have to be anymore. <laughs> so, but one, one of the key things is abortion. You know, there's a lot of people in the Assemblies of God Church that don't necessarily understand abortion is murder. And honestly, I don't care if you believe it or not. That's what it is. Maryland just passed a law that says you can allow your child to die up to 28 days after the birth of that child. That's murder to the 10th degree. But not everybody understands that. So if you don't have these basic factual tenets of faith, whether or not you have a fear, couldn't care less. That's fluff. Whether or not you believe homosexuality is a sin, it's a sin. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you, so you understand what I'm saying? So the concern Yeah, is, we're on the same page. We have it. Well, These churches have that connection to it. So you do have things in writing specifically mm -hmm. that we can go and look at and say, this is what we agree to. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. we're a part of People's Church Network. In we're Cincinnati. Assemblies of God. We're Assemblies of God. People's Church Network is planting churches. We're one of the churches that they're planting. Yes, ma'am, you are. really cool. So are you also, I, it's not, if I understood you correctly, when you started, you said you are a non-denominational Church growth organization. Church planning, yeah, group, yep. 
I was trying to pay close attention because mm-hmm. obviously everybody's trying to grow churches mm-hmm. and grow their church. My concern, when he was talking about small groups, we're trying to do the same thing. And we're going to break up at least one evening a, a month as it usually starts out instead of, I'd like to, mm-hmm. I'm retired, I'd like to do it yeah. But <laughs> as, as it starts out, so the people that we are going to be appointing as the leaders of those groups through prayer, which is what mm-hmm. the Bible tells us to do, will be led under the specific direction of a person above them, which I think is what you say you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if there's any question, those people always have something in writing to go back to. Mm-hmm. And that's always the This may help. The part of our partnership is that when we work with the Assembly of God, it's the Assembly of God statement of faith that runs what happens.